Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. I want you to take your Bibles real quickly. Turn to Mark chapter 12 and also Matthew chapter 11. As you're going there, let me just say this. As your pastor, my goal every week is not for you to hear what I have to say. I don't have an ego that says that I'm smarter than you, more knowledgeable of the word than you, that you have to hear what I have to say in order for you to survive another week. That's not the case. The reality is, my goal every Monday, I begin to pray, God, let our people experience your presence. Because when you are in his presence, the word comes automatically. It's automatic. It's called the rhema word of God. The rhema word. It's the word that comes at the appropriate time. The exact thing that you need to hear is exactly what God brings you. And that comes as you enter into his presence. And this morning, the presence of the Holy Spirit just flooded in here like a river. They sang about it. The river just began to flow. And can I just encourage you as you worship, you, you may be a little bit more docile when you worship. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. That doesn't mean that you're not worshiping God. You may be a little bit more laid back. That's your personality. I understand. But don't miss the opportunity to respond to the Lord's presence. Never miss the opportunity. When you feel the presence of the Lord that is near you, don't say, oh, well, it's just another passing moment. As far as I can read my Bible, Moses only saw the burning bush one time. He only saw it once. And when the presence of God begins to burn in front of you, don't walk away and say, well, maybe next Sunday I'll maybe do a little bit different. Are you hearing me, church? Don't miss the presence. Because if you miss the presence, you'd miss your pastor preaching without shoes on today. Mark chapter 12. Howard Hendricks, a, a, a teacher, a professor at a seminary not too far from here, he said these words, I've never forgot them. He said, never, I've never met anyone who planned on having a mediocre life, but I've met a whole lot of mediocre people. Nobody gets up one morning and says, you know what, I think I just want to have an average, real, regular, no value, no real meaning life. I just want to have a regular old life. Nobody gets up and says that. They say, I want to have an exceptional life. I want God to do something amazing in my life. And so of the 25,520 days that most average people live in a lifespan, of those 25,520 average lifespan days, you don't want those days to, be, to pass you by. You don't want the bush to, 
to be just a, a day that you check. You want to have those marked, a meaningful, purposeful day. You want those to be meaningful. You want those days to be, to be uh, uh, something of importance. And today, I'm telling you, today could be one of those moments. You don't want to just check off another Sunday. There's two options that people make. And I've, you see it in services like this or in Monday mornings like you're going to see tomorrow. And that's either you make it up as you go along or you seek God and you seek His direction and His will. You just make it up. Ah, well, whatever happens, whatever happens, I'm going to do my thing. Or you seek the Lord and you say, God, show me. Expose to me. Direct me. And that's what Mark chapter 12, verse 30 says. If you have notes, there's notes in your program. I want you to follow along. As James says, don't just be hearers of the word, be doers of the word. I gave you a lot of notes because I've got a lot of information. I've only got a few minutes to do it. I think the presence of the Lord has already started speaking to many. But I feel like this is the word of the Lord for us today. Mark chapter 12, verse 30 says this. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. I got one amen. Are you saying you've heard that verse before? Are you saying you've heard that preached before? We'll join the crowd, so have I. It's called the schema. It's the it's, it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's the first prayer that any good Jewish child would learn, memorized. At the age, they begin to start talking. They memorize this prayer. And in this Deuteronomy chapter 6, it was, it was, the commandment is, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then Jesus comes along in the New Testament, he says, and he adds, with all your mind. You know why? Because faith is not something that's thoughtless. Your faith is something that needs to be thought through. And Jesus says all your, all your heart, your, your mind, and your strength. Jesus said this because it is what comes. It's what God wants us to be in our life. All in. Thank you, George. God wants us to be all in. All the time, all the way, all the way through, all the way to the end, all in. I'm going to be all in. I'm going to be fully engaged. And that's the question for us this morning is how well are you doing with that? How well are you doing with that? I've heard that preached before, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I get it. I get it. Go ahead, Pastor. How well are you doing with that? How well are you loving the Lord with all of your heart? all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. How well is that going? How's that working out for you? You see, we, we are familiar with the term all in this morning. That term is a term that most people and everybody, I would say, in this room understands, but only a few really put it into practice. We know what that is. It's the point in the game. When you're all in, it's the point in the game where you're either going to win or you're going to lose. Everything counts on this moment. That's what being all in is all about. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. It either goes your way 
or it goes against you. You're either fully engaged, you're either totally committed, or you're not. There's no gray area. And Jesus relays this to us, and that's what he is saying in Mark chapter 12. He's saying, if you want to be all in, this is what it takes. It takes your heart, takes your soul, takes your mind, takes your strength. What does that look like? Well, let me just begin this morning with this. If you want to love the, the Lord your God with all of your heart, what does that mean? Well, that refers to your passion. Passion. That's passion. When your heart lacks, without your heart, we lack love because we have no passion for it. Passion is there, and it means that love is there. The more, it's more than just enjoying something. It's knowing what you were created for, and that's what passion does in your life. It pushes you toward that. To define what passion is, here's what passion is. You can find out really easily. Passion is whatever you think about the first thing you wake up in the morning and the last thing you think about when you go to bed at night. That's where your passion is. John Maxwell says passion turns the have-tos into get-tos. Your life is filled with all kinds of have-tos. I hope it's not, I have to go to church, because if you have to go to church, then you have no passion for church. Your heart's not there. You're not all in. Passion turns your have-tos into get-tos. I have to teach the kids this morning. You have no passion for it. You could be changing a generation of kids. You can change a generation of children if you're helping with kids. Oh, I have to greet at the door. You get to welcome somebody with a smile of God's presence and sayings. We're so glad that you're here. And the list goes on and on. I have to pray. We have to sing. We have to worship. Oh, we get to pray. We get to talk to him. We get to worship. We get to tell him how wonderful he is. We get to praise him. We get to sing. We get to shout hallelujah. That's what passion does. I love the Lord with all my heart, all my passion thing in the morning last thing at night what about your soul well your soul is where your purpose is that's that next blank on your notes love the lord with all of your soul that's your purpose in life without your soul your life lacks meaning if you have no if, if, without the soul of your heart you or the soul you have no meaning in life you have intentions but you have no meanings There's something to it. There's a reason why you worship. There's purpose. Your soul's in it. I've heard songs, and we'll just use worship songs. I've heard worship songs that were written, that were just written. Right, Leslie? You know this. And then I have heard songs that we sing that have soul. Now, I'm not talking about Al Green soul. I'm talking about soul. As in, they have purpose. There's meaning. When you begin to write a song that talks about walking through a valley, it's because that person has walked through a valley and they came out on the other side. When you begin to sing songs that begin to affect you, when we were singing that Revelation song, every time we sing that song, the only picture that comes to mind is in Revelation. The book of Revelation 
chapter 6, I believe, where it begins to talk about it. I saw a great multitude of numbers that could not be numbered of every tribe and nation and people. And they stood before the throne of the Lamb and they sang unto Him a new song. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Hallelujah. That's what I think of when I sing that song. And that's why I just had to throw myself at the feet of the Lord this morning. I was in complete worship. I was thinking only about Him. I didn't care what anybody thought. If you're a guest and you think the pastor always comes in and throws around on the floor and takes his shoes off, well, you just came on a special Sunday. But I'm telling you, I had purpose this morning. I worship the King today. Hallelujah. Your mind, that's where your priorities are. That's that next part. Your priorities, that's where you make the choices. Whatever is important in your life is what you think about. And guess what? You get to choose. When you have all of your, when you're loving the Lord with all of your mind, you are making righteous choices in your life. And then you serve the Lord with all of your strength. That's power. That's power. That's your time. That's your talents. That's your treasure. That's the abilities that God has given you. That's what it means to be all in. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, love the Lord with all of your passion, your purpose, your priorities, and your power. So how are you doing? How are you doing with that? How's that going for you? Are you all in? When you say, Pastor, I need a little bit more information. Well, let me just tell you how you know if you're all in. How you know, how you find out to what degree you are all in. I'm teaching Sawyer, my youngest. It's my last time to teach driver's ed. I've survived too. Praise God. Miracles still happen. And there's always the part of, of, of parent teaching. You know, a lot of parents, they get off the hook because they pay somebody to go do it. You know, they figure it's cheaper to do that than to raise their life insurance, so they just pay somebody to go do it. There's always that part of teaching driving when you have to learn to parallel park. Right? Isn't that the scary part? Oh, man, he's going to make me parallel park. So a few weeks ago, we were out here in the church parking lot, and I had some construction cones. I was setting those out. I told Sawyer, I said, well, I'm going to go sit over there in a chair and drink my tea, and you go out there and you start parallel parking. If you get into trouble, I'll let you know. And he's driving around in circles, parallel parking and stuff like that. And so I got up, and he was having some trouble, and I said, son, I said, you got to know when you're going to hit the curb and when you're not. you got to know where this barrel is. And I said, how are, you not, how are you going to determine whether you're going to hit the curb or not? He said, well, I just look at the little camera picture right here on the front of the car here, and I see where the little tracks are. And I said, stop it. And I said, well, how do you know if you're going to hit the barrel? Well, it starts beeping at me. Beep, 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 beep. I said, no, son. That's not how you do it. You see... I'm old school driver's ed. We use mirrors. And we check where we are. When you go to back up, you put your arm over the seat and you start looking back. Don't you look at the dash because that's not where you're going. You look back there. I said, never go in the direction that you're not looking. 
he first started learning, he was in back. He, he was still backing up a little bit. He, he'd get ready to stop backing up. He's backing up a little bit. He quit looking in the back, and he's still kind of rolling back before he decides to stop. And I said, stop. What are you doing? You only go in the direction you're looking. That's it. But the only way that you can do that is you have to check your mirrors or you have to check your gauges. There's another gauge in the car, and it's the fuel gauge. All of you know about the fuel gauge. It has an F and it has an E. Some of you think that F means full and E means extra full. Some of you have looked at that gauge on your car and you don't trust, you don't believe it. You want to know if E really means empty. And so what do you do? You drive that thing and that E is just, you're there. You're there. But see, with these new cars that beep at you, they even talk to you. So you're on that E, and you park your car, and you know you got to go to work the next day, and it's on E, and you take off, and you get in your car, and you start it up, and you pass the gas station, and your car says, seriously? You really want to walk to work? You're on E. You look at your gauges. So this morning, how do we know what we're doing? Well, we're going to look at our gauges. You have to look at the gauges. The first gauge is your heart gauge. It's there on your notes. How do you look at the heart gauge? Well, the heart gauge tells you something. It's your spirit gauge because we all have been created in the image of God. We are in His likeness. And, we, and, and the heart gauge asks one simple question. Are you all in, in your heart? The one simple question is, are you close or are you far? That's it. Close or far? Are you close or are you far? Close means that you live by Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. It says, I trust in the Lord with all my heart. I lean not on my own understanding, but in all my ways I acknowledge Him and He makes my paths. He directs my paths. I trust in the Lord in everything. I'm close enough to know when He says turn left, I go left. And when He says go right, I go right. I'm close enough. That's what close means. Far means, well, you know what it means. You know why? Because there's a lot of people in the room and people that are watching online who know exactly, who, who know more about where they are than what they want everybody else to think that they know. They know where they're at, but they'll try to trick people into thinking that they're closer than when they're really farther away. When I was growing up and I was a kid, I grew up in the generation that we played outside. Anybody in the room, you know what I'm talking about? We played outside. We spent our days outside. When we came home from school, we didn't change, we didn't change clothes so we could sit on the couch. We changed clothes so we could go outside. And you had to change clothes because you only had a few pairs of jeans. And there were school jeans and there were play jeans. And the play jeans had the stiff knees in them that you could stand still and they'd still stick out like that. Mom would sew... It was like steel plates in the knees. It was the most uncomfortable things ever because she knew that we would be down in the dirt digging around, playing, and we spent all of our time outside. As a matter of fact, we lived in a world where there was actually a sun that shined overhead and not on a screen. It was amazing. It was a beautiful day. We spent time outside. We, all, we were always outside. And in the evening, we'd come home from school, and we would, we would go to play. There was one rule that mom would give close she would say be close enough that you can hear me when i holler now some of you didn't grow up in a little country town like i did 
But around 6 or 6.30, you could hear like dozens of moms, Hey, dinner! And you didn't know which house that you were supposed to go to because if your friends were there, they were like, it's just scattered. People just scattered. Hey, dinner! Scott, come to eat! You know, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You know that. You got hollered for dinner. And guess what? Whether I was 5 years old or 10 years old, I knew how far was too far to not hear her voice. I knew how many houses down I could go. Come on. I knew how far I could get away in the trees and in the, in the pasture that I could still hear mom, hey, hey, Scott, dinner. Because if I didn't get home when she called me, it wasn't going to be fun. I might get to eat, but it wouldn't be enjoyable for dessert. You see, that's what your heart question is. Am I close or am I far? I've heard people say, you know what? Pastor, I just can't hear God in my life. Here's the answer. Get closer. God, I can't hear, I can't hear God speaking to me. Hey, He was here. He still is here. Get closer. Don't stand there like you bought a ticket to the circus. Come on, somebody. When you were a kid, you knew how far was too far. And when you turn 18 or you're 25 or 35 or you're 40 or you're 60, you can't use that, that excuse because you know exactly if you're close or you're far. All your heart. Your soul gauge is the next thing. Your soul gauge is the positive or the negative gauge. It's your will. It's your emotions. Do you lean positive or do you, do you look at your life or do you lean negative? You see, when you're with God, you see possibilities that you haven't seen before. When you are with God, when you're close to Him, you see potential that you have never seen before. And here's the difference. How many of you know somebody that that whenever they get around you, they suck the life and the hope out of everything about you? Don't be shouting their name. They might be here. The people that when you see them coming, you don't, there's some people you say, oh, thank God. And then there's other people that you see them coming, you say, oh, dear God. You know what I'm talking about, those people. I had to pick up uh, one of the kids from, a, from school here a while back, and the parking lot was totally full. And so I'm picking up Sawyer from school. There was one spot I'd driven around. There was one spot, and I'm like, oh, thank the Lord. So I pull in, I back in, you know, because that's like the manly thing to do. I'm going to back in. I'm going to back in. I backed into the parking lot. It was a beautiful day. It was a few days, a few weeks ago. It was gorgeous, 60-something degrees. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to roll my window down. I'm going to listen to the birds and just wait, wait for Sawyer to come out, just enjoy the, the beautiful weather. I roll my window down, and I'm just about ready to just say, thank you, Jesus, for this wonderful day. And all of a sudden, and the, the car to me window rolls down and, and I hear this person say, hey, what's up? All of a sudden, I said, dear God. It was one of those persons who sucked all of the, the song out of every bird that was around within miles. And I prayed under my breath, God, of all the open spots in this parking lot, why did it have to be right next to that person? I knew them. And they sucked the life out of my car. 
positive or negative, that's your soul, your soul gauge. You have to you have to be all in. You have to have a new perspective. Like David in Psalm 42, verse 5, he says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why, why is, are you so disturbed? Put your hope in God. You see, circumstances in your life may not be perfect, but you have to see them through the lens of a perfect God. And that changes your soul. Things may seem impossible to you, but you have to see them through the lens of a God who is a God of the impossible. There may not be any potential for you in your life, no career path, no upward mobility, but you have to see that there is a God who is potential and capable of not only creating the stars in the sky, but making you exactly who He created you to be. Then you have the mind gauge. You're either focused or you're distracted. This is either the person that, you know, you know where your life is going or you're not sure what's going on in your life. You're not sure. You have to look at what's drawing your attention. Matthew or Mark chapter 4, verse 19, he's, Jesus tells a parable and he says, In the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, desires for other things come and choke the word of God and make you unfruitful. When you get so focused on the things of life around you and you misplace who God is in your life, then guess what? It chokes your faith out. It chokes you out and it makes you unfruitful. Then you have strength. Your strength gauge, it's the one, you know, that can tell you whether you're high or whether you're low. You know, you get out of bed in the morning and immediately you think you need to take yourself a nap. I mean, some of you are taking your nap right now. All right. I'm almost finished. Psalm 28, 7 says, the Lord is my strength. He's my shield. My heart trusts in Him, and I am helped by Him. So your gauges, they, they help you check your gauges. Close, far, negative, positive, high, focused, distracted. They check, you can check your gauges. So let me wrap up with this. How, how can I become all in? How do I go all in? When the presence of God is near, how do I go all in? Well, let me direct you as I close with Matthew chapter 11. Jesus expanded this whole idea. He expands this thought. And he says in verse 28, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. To be all in, you have to follow Jesus' instructions. To love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you have to follow His instructions completely. You see, in your life, there are two days that you have no control over. The day that you were born and the day that you will die. You have no control over those either one of those days. What you do control is the dash in the middle. You control the dash. How well you live that dash is all up to you. How good you do in following the Lord's instructions on how you manage your life is all up to you. The dash is yours. God gives you the dash. And He says, I take one day at the beginning and the day at the end and everything else I leave to you to determine. My friends, listen, you have to learn how to manage that dash well. So what's He say? How do you do it? Here's how you do it. First thing, you have to 
not misunderstand your source. Don't misunderstand your source. The first thing he says is, what does Jesus say? He says, come to me. Come to me. You know what? The Lord gives us the same invitation. Everybody in this room received the same invitation today. Come to me. Come to my presence. Approach me. Get close. Come where you are. Why do we want to come? Because when we come to Jesus, our lives get better. You are better with Jesus than when you're not with Jesus. Can I get an amen from the person sitting next to you? Can I get an amen from the husband or the wife? You're better with Jesus. Trust me, honey. Possibilities and potential that you don't have without Him only come when you come to Him. When you think about Acts chapter 4, you've got Peter and John. They approach the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin surrounding them, they're talking, the Sanhedrin. Now, the Sanhedrin, they were the, they were the people who were the, they were the, the elites of the, of the academic world. They were the ones who aced the SAT. They took all the AP courses. They're the ones who were summa cum laude and valedictorians of their classes. They were the smart guys. And what's incredible is in this story in Acts chapter 4, they looked at Peter and John, and this is what they said. They realized that they were unschooled and they were ordinary men. (laughs) These guys are fishermen. About the best thing they can do is tie a knot. But what happened? As they looked at these unschooled men, these, these ordinary, unimpressive people, Verse 9, verse 13 says, they were astonished. And not only that, it says that they took notes. They took notes. They pulled out. They're like, well, I never thought of that. That's pretty good, Peter. Wow, that's impressive. How do these not, how they knew, it says at the end of that verse, they knew that these men had been with Jesus. Friends, you are better with Jesus than you are when you're not. It's noticeable. There is an impact around you. People know it. How do they know this? Here's the statement I want you to pick up. I I thought about this and I thought, man, that'll preach. You know what happened? They were outperforming their background. Nothing in their background said that they should be smart. Nothing in Peter's background said that he should be that wise. Nothing in John's background seemed to indicate that he would be a successful orator or a successful pastor or a successful anything. This dude grew up on the side of the lake. Lake people. You see, we're all limited when it comes to our life. But when Jesus comes to us, when we come to Jesus, He takes the limits off. And we're not longer average. We're no longer ordinary. We're different because we've been with Jesus. We're something different. We're astonishing. Astonish ourselves. The second thing is, you don't miscalculate your strength. Come to me, you who are weary and you're burdened. Everybody in this room knows what hard work is. Because some of you have watched other people do it. No, I'm just kidding. There's two types of labor. There's physical labor, and then there's mental labor. You're tired from the responsibility of carrying the burden of the business. There's, there, there's, there's, there is stress involved mentally and physically. And when you look at your strength, it wears you out. Anybody ever come home 
five, six, seven, eight o'clock, and you are wore to a nub. You're like, I got no more. I just want to put my jammies on and go to bed. I'll even skip dinner. Or maybe, or maybe Salema will bring me food in bed. Not going to happen, right, Daniel? Listen to what Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That's more than just something you write underneath your eye and go play football with. Don't misplace your priorities. He says, take my yoke, it's easy, my burden is light. A lot of people, when life gets heavy and overwhelming, they, they think that they need a physical rest, they need to go on vacation. I know this because when you go somewhere, most of you let everybody else know that you've gone and that your life is different when you're gone. Because we get to see the plane you fly on. We get to see the food that you ordered. We get to see every attraction that you visit. Come on. We get to see pictures of the birds around you. We get to see what your feet look like when they're sticking in the sand. Honestly. Really. You think I care what your feet look like when they're sticking in the sand? You think I care that you're ordered, you ordered some kind of fantastic Mexican dish that I wish I had? Some amazing looking carne asada? You think that I, I don't, wouldn't want... You are showing me all this stuff and you think that I'm supposed to find... No, you're doing this... Because you feel like vacation is your cure. I'm going to go and I'm going to come back. What you do is you find out when you come back, you need another trip. Because what you, what you needed was not vacation. You needed rest for your soul. You come back and you say, I don't feel any better. Even after all the pictures of making people jealous of what I ate and what I saw. I don't feel any better. It wasn't what you were needing. You didn't need a vacation to wherever. You needed Him for vacation. You needed Him. He's what you needed. Take my yoke upon me. My, my burden. My, it's easy. Don't mishandle. Finally, don't mishandle your a- activities. Learn from Him, He says. And then finally, don't misdiagnose the problem. I just talked about that, your rest for your souls. Most people aren't dying on the outside as fast as they're dying on the inside. I know a lot of people who who die physically in their 70s or 80s, but in their heart they died in their 30s and 40s. They they live 20, 30 years without any purpose, without any destiny, without any meaning in life. They, They raise their kids, their kids all left home, and now they, you know, they look at each other and like, what's the point? What do we do now? Someone asked me that question because I got one more that I'm about to boot out of the house and we're turning this room into a sewing room. I don't know. 
They say, what are you going to do when all your kids leave? You're going to be an empty nester. Shannon's sad. She's like, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. I'm like, party! Woo-hoo! Thank you, Jesus. I'd be like Moses. Deliver! They're gone. As soon as Sawyer graduates high school, Shannon and I are moving from our address, and we're not telling the kids what our forwarding number will be. We're gone, baby. Changing cell phones. We're out. No more moving back in with mom and daddy. No more calling them for a little extra cash for the weekend. No, sir. Rest has come to Scott and Shannon. Psalm 16, 11 says, If you were made, you were made, you have been made to know me and know the path of life, and I will, you will be filled with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. I can't wait for that moment. You see, mediocre lives occur when we undervalue who we, what we are. When you undervalue yourself, that's when you have a mediocre life. What I said at the beginning, nobody wakes up and says they want to have a mediocre life. Praise team, would you guys come? We're about to dismiss. I know you're getting hungry, but, but from the looks of you, none of you have missed any meals, so just stick with me. Hey, it's light this morning. I can get by with it. Just stick with me on quick stuff like that, all right? I love you. You love me. You see, nobody wants that mediocre life. And so you have to be committed to being all in. I got some Play-Doh from the preschool room this morning. Those lovely little preschoolers. They play with this less than they eat it. They like to eat it. How many of you Play-Doh eaters are out there? Anybody? Come on. Yeah, I know you are. You won't admit it right now, but I know all of you have like... Salty. Tastes like something else that I've ate before. Uh, I better uh, br- bring it back. I'm going to reel it in. Okay, bring it in. Listen. This Play-Doh can be anything that I want it to be. But here's what happens to most people. So if we're the Play-Doh and then we're in God's hands, we're in the potter's hands, you know what a potter does? He makes, he makes you know, pots and pans, pottery. Yeah, we got some smart people in this room today. What's a potter do? He makes pots. Okay, I'm with you, Pastor. Gotcha. Okay. So, what we do is we give God our life, but here's how we do it. We say, okay, here you go. That's it. You make whatever you want to out of that, Lord. I'm going to keep this. And God says, Really? You, what about all this over here? Oh, well, Lord, you know, I, I, like to, I like to stay in charge. I like to, you know, I like to, you know, manage some things in my life. I like to do what I need to do, you know. I mean, I've got my own desires. I've got my own dreams. I've got the, own, the things that, that I like to do. I've got certain things that I like to do, and I, I'd hate to have to give those things. 
I don't even have to give that up. You know, I mean, like that's all my friends. That's how, that's my connection to my friends. You know, I mean, I don't want to give that to you. And the Lord says, come to me. I want all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind and strength. Okay, okay, okay. okay. I'll tell you what, I'll give you this much. You can have my heart. Okay? You can have my soul. But I can't give you the rest of this. God says, well, it's, you're going to be, you're going to be shortchanged because I can only make so much out of this. What the Lord is saying, what, what, what the, the potter's hands are asking for, he's saying, I want you to give all of me. This is all in right here. Your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And he shapes us into whatever he wants to use us as. That's what Paul tells us about in Ephesians. He says, we are vessels to be shaped. In Ephesians chapter 3, again, it says that we are God's workmanship appointed for service as he deems fit he he wants to to use us and what we have to do is when we're all in we give him everything and he makes us to what we need to be thanks for listening to this message if you were blessed by this ministry we want to encourage you to share it and if you don't have a church home come join us any sunday at 10 30